Welcome to PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Reform Readiness Webcast Series, held on September 26, 2018, discussing the initial guidance on new limits on executive compensation deductions. The panelists for the webcast were Craig O'Donnell, a PwC tax partner in our Global Human Resources Solutions Practice, Susan Lennon and Sharman Priokes, both managing directors also in our Global Human Resources Solutions Practice, and Bill McAlpine, a managing director in our U.S. Tax Accounting Services Practice. This excerpt consists of a general discussion among the panelists on financial accounting considerations relating to Section 162M. Have a listen. All right, Bill, we'll turn to the financial accounting considerations. So we alluded to this before that tax returns are down the road, but tax accounting is now. And so people are on the edge of their seats on how to deal with this starting next week as we roll into the fourth quarter. What is, what's going to happen? Right. Uh, rolling into the third quarter starting in, in, in October. It's uh, not only is it here and now, but it was what it was back in, uh, in January and February for 2017 as companies had to uh, follow the uh, ASC 740 uh, income tax accounting model and actually record the tax effect of the, of, of the changes that were enacted as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which included 162M. And so uh, the, the accounting model didn't change, but the, the uh, statute certainly did. And so what companies had to do was to look at the provisions under the new revised 162M and determine if any of those amendments to 162M impacted deferred tax assets that were recorded uh, on their balance sheet at December 31st, 2017. Now, for the majority of the deferred tax assets recorded at December 31st, 2017, uh, if we're talking about old money versus new money, uh, those deferred assets related primarily to equity-based instruments that were grandfathered under the old 162M limits. So you would apply, uh, as you were saying, Susan, the, the old 162M limitations to uh, uh, provisions that were uh, under the under the old rules and determine whether deferred tax assets uh, and uh, should be recorded at the end of 2017. Many companies also had, as it related to deferred tax asset uh, accounting, the staff accounting vault in 118, where they could treat uh, the amounts recorded at the end of, of calendar 2017 as a provisional estimate looking at the statute changes as well as the legislative history saying covered employee a lot of open questions uh the grandfather rule the grandfathering under the transition rule a lot of open questions we'll wait and see what kind of guidance comes out within the next 12 months and finalize the accounting related to those deferred tax assets so uh, i I would say that's more or less what was uh, the the end result as it related to 2017 tax accounting on equity-based compensation. Um, What do we see going forward into 2018? uh, uh, Companies have to, on an interim basis for quarters one, two, and three, they have to estimate their annualized effective tax rate uh, under under the accounting model and factor in what they think are going to be potentially permanent differences related to uh, equity-based compensation. And so to the extent that if you think based on the 162M uh, amended rules that book compensation recorded in 2018 will actually be subject to the the new 162M million dollar limitation 
there might be some permanent differences on that 2018 book compensation. And you should uh, reflect that projected permanent difference as you're measuring your annualized effective tax rate used to record taxes for quarters one, two, and three. Uh, from a standpoint of the uh, actual vesting of restricted stock or exercise of, of non-qualified stock options or any other type of payout of deferred compensation, the accounting model uh, stays the same as it relates to recording the final answer with tax compensation deductions. If there's a windfall or a shortfall, you record the tax effect of those uh, in the quarter in which uh, those actually occur. So. Uh, that's the, the fundamental point as it relates to deferred tax accounting in 2018 is now you've got the forward look. What's going to happen in the future applying these new rules? If uh, uh, the way then to try to measure those deferreds is applying an accounting policy where we would look to uh, one of three methods, a cash first method where you look to uh, base and bonus perhaps cash compensation and say those are the first dollars in subject to the 162M limitation, so that equity-based compensation uh, is analyzed as, as above and beyond the million dollars. So if you've got uh, a CEO that's paid at least a million in cash compensation, uh, then likely the equity-based compensation, if it doesn't meet the grandfather rule, uh, no deferred taxes, uh, tax assets recorded. Uh, the other method is equity-first method, where you look to uh, recording deferred assets on stock-based compensation first and then analyzing the cash compensation afterwards. The next approach would be a pro rata method where you do a pro rata allocation of the cash compensation as well as the equity-based compensation and use a blended uh, tax rate uh, to consider what the anticipated um, tax deductions will be in a future period and record deferreds accordingly. Am I right, Bill? In real life, folks that didn't spend a lot of time thinking about this and they kind of just went where they went, probably ended up with the cash first method, right? Well, what I think we've seen uh, clients use primarily is, is the cash first approach. Uh, it certainly is uh, from a standpoint of administration. It's the least complex of, of all. And you know what the cash numbers are as it relates to most written agreements where you see a, a base compensation amount and the bonuses normally tend to be a, a percentage of base so you can uh, easily compute the the cash first number, uh, whereas on the on the equity side, you're often as you're doing the forward look, trying to layer in what you think is going to happen as it relates to market values and the like. So usually cash first, yes. So uh, what what's involved in determining deferred tax assets for 2018 and beyond with these uh, new 162M rules? Um, it's, it's all about scheduling and in certain other areas of the accounting model for taxes, there's scheduling involved and it's a least favorite activity amongst uh, the tax professionals responsible for the accounting side of this. Uh, it's a, it is a forward look uh, uh, and you need to determine uh, how best to, when looking forward, if it's the accounting policy, cash first, equity method first. Uh, or a pro rata approach to say in 2019, in 2020, in 2021, what portion of all of these pools of compensation for CEO, chief financial officer, and then the other three executives that are in the table, what portion might be subject to the 162M limitation to determine what portion of today's book expense for compensation, no deferred taxes. So you, you have to separate 
those book compensation amounts, when you said get your books in order, the book side is actually quite simple. You record the book compensation based on the accounting rules. Now the tax side, you got to come in and peel it apart and say, this is old money, this is new money, and then track that going forward. So again, for the tax folks, another tracking exercise. Um, and from uh, a standpoint of uh, the, the scheduling, uh, it, it, it can be complex in, in that uh, standpoint, but you've, you've got to consider uh, both who's a covered employee as well as these transition rules. This grandfathering could stray into, into several years past uh, 2018 and beyond. So if we then uh, uh, look at a specific example, and this is, uh, this is a fairly simplistic example, but as we've used examples for several of the, uh, the uh, talking about covered employees as well as the transition rules. Here we assume a CEO is paid a cash base salary annually of 350000 and has a target bonus of 100% of that base salary number. The CEO, being a covered employee, uh, receives an award of stock options that vest over two years with uh, the grant value of $1 million to be exercised uh, in year three. So there's going to be book compensation recorded in year one and year two with then the tax deduction or the cash compensation, if you will, uh, occurring in year three. Uh, we're also assuming none of the CEO's compensation is subject to the transition rules, so uh, none of the grandfathering applies in this example, and the company elected the cash-first accounting policy. So uh, how do we analyze this from a scheduling perspective and determining what deferred tax assets are recorded on the book compensation for year one and year two? So the year three total compensation, if uh, the, uh, the, the uh, exercise uh, turns out to be that, that million-dollar number, is 1.7 million, which is the 350 of base compensation, the target bonus of 350 plus the million dollars of uh, the stock option uh, uh, tax deduction or, or tax, uh, tax compensation to the employee. Under the cash first method, we've got 750,000, which is below the million dollar limitation. And so then we look to the balance of the equity based compensation. Again, it's not subject to the grandfather rule. So it looks like 30% of the total million looking forward into the future is likely deductible. 70% will be subject to the 162M limitation. So in years one and two, as there is book compensation recorded in the financial statements, you would record a deferred tax asset for 30% of the total book compensation and the other 70% should be treated as a permanent difference uh, in, in the current income tax provision. So again, a lot of tracking old money versus, versus new money. Interesting. So uh, uh, as one of the other points around the, the, the example as well as just looking at this 162M is uh, in some respects uh, working closely with the finance teams as what I've seen in the past is the finance uh, group normally are responsible for recording the book compensation to make the deferred counting easier, what uh, normally happens is tax gives the finance team a tax rate, whether it's US or it's France or it's Germany, wherever, and the finance team takes the book compensation times the applicable rate records the deferred tax asset just automatically. With these new changes, I think you have to go back and revisit that process as some of those deferred tax assets may, may not be good ones. Yep. Good stuff, Bill. This is we were talking about this before the session. 
people are asking, what do I have to do in Q3 versus the end of the year? And you gave me a really good summary of that. It was in what your, your notes, but let's reiterate it again. What are people doing in Q3 versus year end? Well, Q3 is, is an interim period. So uh, you, you apply the mechanics of uh, interim income tax accounting for the third quarter. And uh, Craig, in that, in that context, uh, it's, it's all about the annualized effective tax rate and trying to measure what you think the full year impact of these new 162M rules will be in measuring that annualized effective tax rate. In other words, doing that forward look and that forward scheduling, uh, making a determination on covered employees, who's in, who's out, as well as making a determination for any of the covered employees is compensation that will be paid in a future period eligible for the transition rule and therefore grandfathered. Important point, still you got to look to the old 162M limitations, but uh, for performance-based uh, compensation, likely won't have any issues in a, in a deduction uh, for a future period. So all this culminating into how much do we think as it relates to 2018 book compensation will be a permanent difference that gets factored into the annualized rate. Now we have a notice that comes out and in the hierarchy of, of, uh, of law changes as it's required under the accounting model, it's not a tax law enacted change as it relates to a statute, but it's additional guidance. New information that you ought to factor into your overall analysis on covered employee, the application of the transition rule, and applying that to the scheduling. And uh, that, that should be a look that uh, you would analyze for the third quarter. You still may revert back to 2017 deferred tax asset balances and conclude that provisional estimate. Uh, we want to see what maybe comes out with the proposed regulations, talk a little bit more with outside counsel, or, or advisors to make a determination, perhaps in the fourth quarter when provisional SAB 118 estimates are finalized, if you're finalizing those in the fourth quarter. So look at it for Q3. If you want to make an adjustment because you think it's a change, make that adjustment in the third quarter. The staff accounting bulletin says if it's a change to your provisional estimate recorded at the end of 2017, you need to disclose the fact that it's a change in that estimate and, and what additional information you need to finalize. Got it. So maybe to play that back to make sure I got it. So 2017 monies, I've got time, arguably. 2017 balances. 2017 deferred tax assets. Deferred tax assets. Yes. For DTAs that were set up in 18, these issues around covered employee and written binding contract become important in the third quarter for making determinations and people need to come to conclusions on where they stand on that with the notice in hand to as the, part of the decision-making process. To measure the annualized effective tax rate. That's right. Yes. Got it. Got it. So let's turn to next steps. So we've got this notice out there. It's going to be open for public comment until November. And then everybody's hoping for proposed regs. So Susan, when are we going to get proposed regs? What's going to happen? I don't think Santa is bringing this. <laughs> this time Santa or next the, year Santa? The, Which I don't Santa? think 2018 Santa will have it in his bag. Uh, given how long it took to get a notice with just two issues, I think we're looking at 2019. Now, one thing that the IRS has stressed in the you know, guidance priority list was when the statute was enacted, 
their first priority was to get guidance out with respect to the 2017 returns that would be filed in 18. So things like, you know, different and the withholding for individuals, you know, things that had to be done immediately got priority. Now we're through a, a three quarters of 2018. We, you know, most corporations won't have to file for almost a year from now for 2018, but still, you don't have to extend. So I think the priority for getting proposed regs is I need to apply these for my 2018 return. So, no, I don't think we'll get them in 2018, but hopefully, you know, in the first half of 2019, we'll see proposed regulations. Now, IRS has asked for guidance on the issues discussed in the notice. It's specifically asked for how does the definition of publicly held corporation apply to a foreign filer? Uh, what's the, you know, how do we apply covered employees of a predecessor to a publicly held company? What's the application of 162M immediately after a corporation becomes public? The old rules had a transition rule for IPO, you know, corporations that became public through an IPO or through other means. So I wasn't subject to 162M, now I'm public, I am. There was a transition rule. Is that still needed? What would the terms of that be? So IRS is asking for guidance on that. And then how do you determine those three named executive officers when your tax year doesn't end on the same year as your SEC rules? Now, we're supposed to apply the SEC rules, but you know, do I use last year's compensation, this year's, you know, the, the tax year ending, before, you know, what year do I use? So we want some guidance on that. In addition, you know, I strongly recommend if you've got other issues that aren't on that list, provide comments now. Better to get your, your viewpoint, your thoughts into the government while they're writing proposed regulations. You'll, you know, taxpayers will have another chance to comment on proposed regulations, but once the kind of mindset has been set with respect to how the, the proposed and then final regulations play out, it may be harder to change minds at that point. So if you've got issues you want to address, now's the time to provide comments. One good thing that the notice provided is that if proposed or, and or final regulations take a more narrow view than even the narrow views here in the notice, that that view, that rule will only apply prospectively. So if we get proposed regulations and you know, it further limits a written binding contract or makes it you know, further somehow expands covered employees, those rules won't be applicable until your tax year after the regulations are finalized. So we'll have some breathing space. We'll have some time to anticipate the, the new rules and make those changes. So potentially an even longer period in which right. companies have to track. Absolutely, under multiple, <laughs> multiple rules. Because let's say we get proposed regs in 19, best case scenario, we, they go final in 19. It wouldn't impact any changes to these rules wouldn't be effective for tax years starting until tax year starting in 2020. Meanwhile, if we get proposed regs in 19 and final regs in 20, we're looking at 2021. Right. So forget about the tax returns. Meanwhile, the financial statements, yes, we're recording we book busy. compensation so, every quarter yeah. and every period, and we've got to decide on the accounting side as mm -hmm. to what's, what's gonna, what is going to be a tax benefit, whether it's a deferred tax uh, benefit 
deferred tax asset or otherwise, and how do we apply these rules in that context? So, yeah. and then we didn't talk too much about uncertain tax positions, but that certainly is uh, as we deal with covered persons and uh, the application of the grandfather rules, there likely is gonna be some level of uncertain tax positions in saying, here's what we're gonna do with that. Here's the position we're gonna take with the 2018 tax return as it relates to that book compensation. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please email the participants. Their email addresses can be found in the description of this episode. Thank you. Mm -hmm.